Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 94. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me today, we have another guest in the studio, Leland Holcomb. Happy to be here, Kip. And it's good to have you. So today, we're going to be taking a rather personal approach, and you and I are going to discuss a series of challenges that we've exchanged and continue to exchange every time we have a conversation with one another and catch up every few months or a few weeks. To explain what they are to the audience, and I'd love your help further on, the challenges are meant to break the mold of our daily existence and daily routines, whatever that means. Typically, it is a cultural commentary of sorts, but they've also been more individually focused and meant to promote more introspection and reflection on the things in our lives and the behaviors that we engage with almost subconsciously. So my first challenge to you, which I vividly remember, although I can't remember where I got the idea, was that I wanted you to find the most prominent or favorite corner in a room in your living space or your house, which was a new one for you. And I wanted you to send me a picture via text and explain to me why it was such an important corner. And so before we go any further, I'd love to hear if you remember that challenge really well, if you remember why you chose the corner you did and what it was like to have a random friend of yours initiate this process. Did it feel uncomfortable or weird? Well, first of all, I loved the challenge. It was especially awesome to me because it was my first apartment after college. I had just moved in there, was getting to know the house itself, getting to know the area that I lived in. And we were having our routine phone call that we had. I say routine, but it was more random <laughs> that we do every couple months or so. And I just remember being inside my house and hearing you pitch this idea to me of, hey, uh, why don't we do this whole challenge thing where I'll give you this challenge that I've thought of. And if you'd like, you can give me one back and, and we'll see how it goes. And so you asked me to take a picture of my favorite corner in my house. And it caught me completely off guard because I never really paid much attention to all of the corners in my house. <laughs> it was a very, very small studio apartment, but nonetheless, I was had never really looked around at the place all that much. So the corner I picked was uh, the corner above my refrigerator. I basically just picked the corner because it was a corner I didn't realize existed. And I thought it was a very abnormal corner of the house. So I just thought I'd uh, give it its time to shine and have that little picture to memorialize it. And I think you did a great job. Do you remember your first challenge to me? Huh, the first challenge to you? No. So <laughs> it was actually related to this very podcast. And you had said, Kip, I know come this fall, which now feels like a lifetime ago, you're planning on starting this podcast with Hector. And I know that you're going to collaborate with him but I want you to pretend as though you're not and plan out the first 10 or so episode ideas. And that was fascinating to me because I really did need a push at that time. Now it's almost too much self-motivation and people have to tell me to shut up about it. But you did help me start to think more concretely about it and give me a reason to actually plan out things in a very specific way and order my thoughts which is necessary for a lot of the planning that goes into shows like this. And that was really helpful and one of the most vital challenges because it was something new and something that I think on some level we believed I would still be doing down the line. So you helped me to build a foundation for it. And to get into other challenges, one of the questions I want to know for you, and I'll try and answer the same, what has been or what have been your favorite challenges that I've given you and why? 
I've loved a lot of the challenges that you've given me, but I'll list a few for the people who don't know what challenges we've had. So I'd say my top challenges, I really loved the corner room challenge, but one of them was you asked me to, and this was something that caught me completely off guard as most of your challenges did. You asked me to soak my feet in warm water with apple cider vinegar in there, put lemon on my face and listen to a playlist that I couldn't stop or change for an entire hour. And you asked me to do it three separate times. And I mentioned that because I think what made it so amazing to me was the fact that I did it three different times because that's what really tied the whole challenge together for me because each time I did it was radically different. So the first time I did it was a huge, huge mistake. I chose to listen to EDM music in part because I don't like it. And at the time, I hadn't really given it a chance. I didn't really listen to it much. I had heard it in various parties that I've been to, but I hadn't really listened to it all that much. So I thought, I'll give it a shot here. So here I was in my bathroom, and I decided to fill up my bathtub with warm water, and I pour the apple cider vinegar. Then I threw on the lemon, hit play on the playlist, and sat there on the tub in the darkness, which was a huge mistake again listening to EDM. And about 10 minutes in, I was totally just taken aback by how odd the whole situation was. So I was just within myself in this tub, in this dark room, listening to EDM. And it was terrible. It was awful. I hated it. I hated it. But I forced myself to sit there until the hour came up and had a terrible experience. Two days later, I decided that I was going to do something a little bit more peaceful than sitting in a dark bathroom listening to EDM. And so this time I sat outside my house in my favorite Adirondack chair, which is this blue little Adirondack chair I have in my tiny backyard that I used to have on that apartment in Northern California. So it was a beautiful day as every day is. After work, I just went out back in the house, sat down in the Adirondack chair, put my feet in a bucket of warm water, dumped in the apple cider vinegar, smeared the lemon all over my face, felt that familiar stinging, and then just kicked back and listened to some just acoustic gentle jams and looked around at the high trees that I had around my house, watched some squirrels run around the trees, birds chirping and flying around. It was incredibly tranquil. It was very in touch with nature and it was awesome. The third time was another few days later. I did it again. It was much more forgettable than the other two. So I'd say it was pretty much in the middle in terms of the three experiences. And I just sat in the middle of my house (laughs) again with the bucket and the apple cider vinegar and listened to just rock. So it felt more standard. It was sort of what I'd normally listen to. So it wasn't as abnormal, but that was, I thought, a phenomenal challenge. And I remember describing it to a friend of mine who immediately questioned how strange it was. And we'll come back to that because I have a lot of thoughts on the abnormality of these challenges and the value of that abnormality. But I remember giving you this challenge as something of a spa treatment because lemon juice, at least in moderation, I probably shouldn't have told you to leave it on for an hour, is good at sloughing off dead skin cells and helping to rejuvenate the skin to a degree. I'm not a medical expert, but articles I'd read had validated that as well as the apple cider vinegar and water being a means of detoxing the feet. And the music to me felt like a necessary element to help keep you mentally focused or present in the practice, because I think otherwise you'd become immediately bored. I know I would. And so I don't know if it was my best challenge, but I'm glad it resonated as a favorite, especially given how recent this entire challenge process was for us, because that was my third or fourth challenge to you. One of my favorite challenges that you've given me is to write down a word a day as a diary entry. And you gave me this January 5th, 
2015. And I vividly remember that month for the 30 days, I believe you told me to do it, feeling very challenged because you told me I couldn't repeat words. And I found that incredibly difficult because sometimes the word of the day was a person's name with whom I'd had a prominent conversation or positive interaction. And to restrict myself from repeating those words meant that that person couldn't be the focal point of my memory for that day. And that's wild to think about how our choices of language in coding a diary entry, for example, which typically includes more than one word, will affect down the line how you recall that day. And I remember experimenting with adjectives and there were certain things like frustration. And I remember that dealt with travel frustration and bags getting lost or traffic pileups preventing me from moving more quickly. And it's fascinating how that one word prompt is still so vivid in my mind or that the name of a person can tell me exactly where I had that conversation with them and what we discussed on that random day towards the end of January. And it's also interesting to see how strings of words led to narratives over the course of two or more days where I remember thoughts from the previous day had lingered on in the next and therefore affected the word that I chose to describe the next day in the sequence which is a really fascinating process. But it wasn't the only challenge that really impacted me and challenged my thinking, which I believe is at the crux of the value of these challenges. Because for me, some of your challenges have really caused me to rethink my actions and in general, my comfort zone in a variety of areas. One of your most recent challenges to me is to take a selfie for 30 days and essentially journal those 30 days through selfies. And I don't ever take selfies. I really feel uncomfortable doing it. I don't like the way that I look and it feels forced. But I know that many people around the world, especially given devices like the selfie stick, are very comfortable and have embraced the process. And I recognize that that's just not a part of my culture. But this challenge encourages me to break through that. And of course, I'm currently taking selfies more frequently throughout the year to compile a larger album, as it were, that I'll later share with you, which has gone beyond the 30 days. And so some of these challenges have evolved over time and have really caused me to adapt certain practices, which I've really enjoyed. Have there been challenges for you that have really forced you to rethink aspects of your life or even your environment? The first one that comes to mind for me is actually the dream diary challenge that you gave me, which was very simple. It was just to keep a dream diary for a month. What was so interesting there is I had always assumed that I wasn't someone who remembered their dreams, but I found that when I was challenged to actually write a dream diary, that I remembered way more dreams than I ever had before. And I also decided that every morning I would spend the first few minutes of the day thinking about last night's dream in an attempt to remember. And when I did that, I found that I remembered far more dreams than I did before. And it also really helped to try to write them down right as they happened. But that one was exceptional because it really just got me to think about the different ways I live. Another one that I really love, that I know this is one of your favorites, the no mirrors for seven days challenge. Definitely the hardest challenge you gave me physically to do. The first thing that I realized when I did the mirror challenge was how many places have mirrors or objects that are shiny that you could see yourself on. Every time I entered a room, I was constantly aware of where the mirrors were, which is a radically different notion than I ever have. It also made me rethink my life to some extent because I realized how much I look at myself throughout the day unwittingly. When I'm in the bathroom, every time I'm in the bathroom, I see myself in the mirror. Every single time. When I wake up in the morning, it's one of the first things I do, usually, because I go to the bathroom. <laughs> 
it made me rethink my life to the extent that I started to notice things around me that I didn't notice before, the mirrors. I started to notice how much I saw myself during a day. And it was a really, really tough challenge. <laughs> I also find it fascinating because I didn't experience it to think about how ubiquitous reflective surfaces and especially mirrors are in our culture. And I would argue as a globe that we have mirrors everywhere because we do think the visual is an important aspect of our lives and especially our ability to see ourselves. And I don't disagree, but you told me before recording that you didn't realize maybe if you had something on your face or if your hair was sticking out in a certain direction, did that feel weird to you or did you feel like you weren't putting forth your best self on those days? It was definitely different. I'm so accustomed to making sure in the morning that I look fine. For instance, after I eat lunch that I don't have food on my face. And these are just simple things that you can't do without a mirror. <laughs> and it definitely made me feel slightly less comfortable because I felt like maybe I missed something. But it also was easy in a way to give up mirrors, at least voluntarily. It was really hard to keep away from it involuntarily. But the voluntary was actually kind of freeing. And when you talk about the awareness you gain from the mirror challenge, I'm reminded of two challenges that you gave me, which provided me with an increased sense of social awareness. The first of which being the high five challenge in the fall of 2014, where you told me I should high five 10 people. And the tricky thing is that you told me I couldn't high five more than five people I already knew. So I had to give a high five to at least five strangers. And that was tricky for me because some people were not receptive to it and didn't want to make physical or social contact whatsoever, which is fascinating to me and gave a somewhat bleak impression of how people socialize nowadays, which maybe isn't in a physical manner. The other fascinating challenge, which I really loved, was the eye contact challenge. And you said, I want you to have three conversations where you make intense and prolonged eye contact and just see how people respond. And I want you to have three conversations where you don't make any eye contact at all and see how people respond. And this was really exciting because with the intense eye contact, I noticed that people automatically broke periodically throughout the conversation. So I could stare at them all day long and at about 30 seconds maximum or so, they would look away naturally because I don't think we have the inclination to continue making eye contact. We have a hesitation be it nature or nurture, that it's uncomfortable or wrong to make prolonged eye contact. So in those cases, people didn't seem to notice that I was making extreme eye contact. And I think that word describes it very well. It was extreme. Whereas the lack of eye contact didn't accomplish the effect you might have anticipated because many people presumed that I was telling some bizarre joke and improvising on the spot. And so people started laughing. They didn't seem uncomfortable, nor did they think that I was disrespecting them by refusing to make eye contact, but rather trying to amuse them. And I find that really interesting because I think this challenge depended upon the fact that I know the people in my community. And if I did this with random strangers, the effects might be different. With that said, I'd like to ask you if you think our friendship in particular, which the audience may not know of because, of course, it is between you and I, is one reason that these challenges work well. Well, I think the idea of challenges is predicated on the fact that you are going to be willing to do them, which takes a certain amount of creativity and also flexibility to be able to do that. Not every friend of mine would accept a challenge I gave them. And not every friend of mine would give me challenges like soaking my feet in water and vinegar. 
And I think that's what's exciting about a friendship like ours. But I don't think that's totally unique. I think any friendship could have that and, and any friendship could do it. It just takes a willingness and openness to do it. I agree. I think trust is also key that on some level you have to remember, I don't know what this friend is going to challenge me with this week or this month, but I know he has my best interest at heart and wants to give me something that most other friends won't. They're going to ask how I'm doing and hopefully share positive news and maybe ask me certain questions or share exciting anecdotes. But the challenges to me are a wonderful pillar because I don't know what to expect and I hope, because it's been true for me, that as we give more and more challenges, we become more creative. You've given me wonderful ideas about challenges I would like to give you in the future, and I wish more people took them up. So my question then is whether you think challenges like these are beneficial to the average person. If everyone was for some reason willing to take challenges on, do you think it would be beneficial across the board for people to take them up? I think it's absolutely beneficial. For me, one of the biggest benefits is simply that it allows us to keep in touch, but it also gives me an insight into what your life is like at the time because we are not physically near each other, although we hope to remain friends. And one of the ways you do that is by staying in each other's world. And I think challenges are a great way of doing that. And it's also a way of joking around and creating individual stories with each other despite a lack of proximity. So I think that is something that could really benefit any friendship regardless of the distance you may have in the friendship physically. So for our listeners out there who maybe haven't done challenges before, knowing what you know now, after having been doing challenges with me for two years now, how would you recommend that your listeners begin doing challenges? I like the presumption that listeners should do challenges, and <laughs> I hope that they do consider them. I recognize that it's abnormal, but as I said earlier or alluded to earlier, that abnormality is key in feeling free, for lack of a better term. And I would say that to recommend challenges, you have to know the other person. And to a degree, I've learned more about you in finding which challenges you enjoy and which maybe feel a bit too alien. So I believe that the best challenges are those that do gently push at the comfort zones of the recipient. So you have to find out if they are most uncomfortable in public and maybe say, can you do a little task in public to see if you'll grow from that or learn more about yourself or if they are not the creative type, encouraging them to create something and express themselves. And really the principle behind these challenges is not a new one. I think teachers and parents and various other guides in our world have been doing this for centuries and millennia. I just think that the format of friends giving each other challenges is perhaps a new one. I think the simpler, the better, honestly. And you have to play to people's interests. And that's really the key. You have to have friends who are interested in trying new things and challenges. So for your listeners out there, what's the first question they should ask their friends to get the challenges started? Well, first they have to test the waters and say, are you even interested if I pose the idea of exchanging challenges and you can decline them? Would you like to do that? After doing that, Maybe ask questions about the friend that you haven't tried before. Learn personal things about them for the sake of the challenges or ask them what they think a good challenge might be. And in that first challenge, you'll learn a lot about them because you'll see where their headspace is. 
And if nothing else, challenges are great for breaking routines. And I've noticed myself leaving previous routines to adapt to your challenges, which doesn't feel like a burden or an uncomfortable accommodation, but rather an exciting new avenue to try out. And it's always temporary because when we have a call in a month, I'll receive a new challenge and vice versa. So I've never worried about being stuck with something for too long. And there's no grade or penalty attached to the challenges, which I also think is exciting because we do fail sometimes or we try something and the results aren't what we expect. But that's the nature of experiment, which I also find really exciting. To repeat your question, what would you first ask or what is a challenge you would first give to friends or groups of individuals who are starting to challenge one another? As you mentioned, the challenge process is pretty individual too among friends. You have to know what your friend is like. But I would recommend for a first challenge, it'd be something pretty uncomfortable because you want to start off challenging with your challenges, obviously. (laughs) Some of the most satisfying challenges I've given you for me were the ones that forced you to interact with strangers in weird ways. One of them I really love was the eye contact one you brought up. That was one that I had tried actually in college with one of my friends just on a random day at, at a lunch table and thought it was pretty funny to, to speak to people without looking in their eyes at all and how it changed things. And I just love to hear about your experience doing it to other people and seeing how they'd feel. But part of the fun of it is just putting your friend in an uncomfortable situation and making them do it and having them follow through with it is also quite rewarding, I think, for the friend themselves. So my final and rather broad question to you is, in these challenges we've shared over the past two years, and perhaps we should revisit this in a future episode with future challenges, what have you learned about our culture, our society, or even yourself? Well, I think one of the most important things I've learned from doing challenges for these last few years is the importance of stepping out of your comfort zone, to be sure. Because most of us fall into routines in life, whether they be small, like looking in a mirror daily, or whether they're bigger, like waking up quickly in the morning so you don't pay attention to the dreams you had at night, so you can run off to work. But I think the importance of challenges comes in the connection with your friend and also the attention you have to pay to breaking the routines that you have or stepping out of your comfort zones. Because that's something that you typically need to be challenged to do at all. Because it's your comfort zone. You're not going to step out of it unless you're challenged. And so that's what I think is really great about it. And to have a friend be the impetus behind it and hopefully a joke attached or a story attached or something funny that can come out of it as well. There's just extra benefits that make it wonderful. Definitely. I was going to point out the tremendous value in having another person as your source of accountability. And I think that wisdom is true in a physical personal trainer because we have people who are there to motivate us when we aren't always self-motivated. And I don't think that's anything to feel guilty about, but we are social beings. And so many of us benefit tremendously from having an external force of motivation and hopefully it's positive in the case of these challenges which is why i find it fascinating to think about and for those who are self-motivated perhaps you don't need friends to engage with challenges but i think it spreads the excitement and novelty around a bit so before we close the episode what are some things you would like the audience to think about after listening to this conversation the first thing i would ask the audience to think about are challenges for themselves because it is also important to challenge yourself in life. It's how you do amazing things. I'd also challenge the audience to maybe take this up with a friend, or if not, to at least consider some challenges they could take on in their own life, as I mentioned before. Because I do think it's important to step out of your comfort zone and try new things. And I also think that a lot of really interesting experiences can come of that. I know they have for me. 
And they've also bolstered many experiences that I've been on. For instance, you gave me one challenge to write a reverse chronological diary. So at the end of each day, I had to remember my day from the end to the beginning, which made it quite interesting, especially because at the time I was on a road trip with two of my really good college friends. And so it just made the days really exciting. And it was a challenge I could bring other people into too. And at the end of it, it left me with much more than I would have had before. And so I would challenge the audience to think of ways that they can make subtle tweaks to their life through something like a challenge just to try to add more meaning to it, whether it be in a relationship or just in their life in general. And I apologize to the audience as I realize we've repeated countless vocabulary words throughout this episode in our description of (laughs) this process between us. But as I said, it's one of my favorite aspects of our friendship and something I'm glad we will continue I would encourage the audience, if you're not willing to take on challenges, to at least think about the role they might play in your life and where you see the potential for challenges, because that will allow for more open-minded approaches to anything and everything in your life if you think about ways in which you might challenge yourself or others to do it differently. And I wish we would consider alternative routes more often, because as countless poets and wise individuals have said before, The different routes are fascinating in and of themselves simply for being different. And that is at the core of why I really enjoy these challenges. And thank you very much, Leland, for coming on and discussing them with me. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. But of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, comments, or questions, if you have any challenges you'd like to send us or you'd like to receive any, please connect with us. That's what we want ultimately. And you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes or other links. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider reviewing and subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend that you think might also enjoy this conversation. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.